You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinion and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the intellectual outcasts out there this morning. I'm in this thing solo dolo with a couple of special guests. No queen of intellect today, but hopefully one of them jumps on and saves the day. But whether they do or not, we got a couple of returning special guests that have put down some of my most infamous shows. I definitely tell you, anytime you hear either one of these names or find out they're on the show, you definitely should check out that Mental Dialogue talk show as I have returning guests, none other than Michael Sutler and William Agnew. Thank you both, Kings, for being on with me. Glad to have you back every time we do it. It's fireworks. So before we let out the cat out the bag on this morning's discussion question, Michael, we'll start with you, if you will. Say hello to the intellectual outcast. I'm bringing you on really just for your intellectual opinion. You know, you're really the person that sparked the term intellectual outcast because I considered you that first and foremost. I tried to give it to you, and you ain't taking it and run with the ball, so now it's for everybody. But with that said, uh, <laughs> with that said, say hello. You can give a little bit of your background. Uh, you know, you don't have to go too far into your experience outside of just you know, just being intellectually curious, because that's what you are, brother. So thanks for being with us this morning. Many thanks, brother. Like, that's always, I don't know, it's, I always get a kick out of it, because when you do say intellectual outcast, you combine two things, of course, that I absolutely love and adore, and that's outcast and, you know, again, intellectual curiosity. So background about me, I am the CIO, the Chief Investment Officer of SC Capital Management, we're an alternative investment management firm hailing from Huntsville, Alabama, but we see the world in different colors and different cultures as well, but me first. Anyway, I'm also the founder of Blacks Academy, which is an online education platform that is teaching people about investing and trading 
in a way that's done by professionals, not just your Internet gurus getting out telling you what you like to hear. Uh, the goal of Blacks Academy, of course, is to make people have the applicable skills to get them ahead and deal with the things that we see in the world that we want to change, mainly in the financial and economic realm, but also in personal development as well. Um, outside of that, I was once an engineer, uh, once upon a time building missile systems and all sorts of fancy destructive things to keep us free, but now I spend more of my time building up lifting and hopefully building up my uh, community, whatever that is, power that is defined. Even including coming on the Mental Dialogue talk show and letting us pick your brain. But with that said, William, <laughs> uh, let's bring you on, King. Again, many of backgrounds. I just love both of you being businessmen and investors. Very curious on how y'all see this morning's discussion. But with that said, William, introduce yourself once again as you've been a part of many of our shows in a long time uh, platinum level member along with Michael as well. But thanks for being with us this morning, King. Oh, no doubt, sir. My name is William Agnew. Uh, I'm, uh, my, my, my background is, is a little diverse. I started traditional like uh, most people, you know, went to school, uh, got my bachelor's degree, my master's degree uh, in global management, uh, MBA, and, uh, you know, did the traditional route, went to work for a corporation, very nice corporation. As a matter of fact, I still big up uh, Intel. Intel treated me very, very well. They're one of the best companies uh, to work for, been voted that for uh, quite some time. They treat their employees really well. Uh, but, you know, it ran its course. You know, I've always been, <laughs> you know, a guy with a very strong opinion about the world and, you know, finance and, you know, just, just you know, just the world, social world in general. So it just, I, I kind of hit my, uh, I guess, my ceiling, if you will, with, you know, corporate America and just kind of decided that it wasn't for me. It was capped in regards to what I wanted to do and aspire to be in my life. So, you know, I went down the entrepreneurial path, uh, always had a entrepreneurial spirit. Um, started my first business, which was a cell phone repair business back in 2008, right? And that really just grabbed me, you know, back when people didn't even know that cell phones could be repaired. I was getting that question, can you really repair cell phones? And it's like, yeah, you make a lot of money doing it too. And that was even <laughs> before, the, you know, the smartphone, the so-called smartphone. And uh, we, were, we, were, we were repairing B3s and flip phones and sidekicks and some of you guys, you older guys might <laughs> remember some of those devices. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you know, that, that, that uh, industry continued to develop. And um, now we're in this, this smartphone space, and what was happening is, just to give you a short, uh, these big corporations didn't really understand the value of their, you know, reverse logistics that, that, that those phones coming back in had a lot of value, especially smartphones. And so what we did, and my claim to fame pretty much, was tapping into the big boys and then helping them understand the value of the reverse stuff that was coming back in and what they could do with it as opposed to just sell it direct to, uh, to, to China, which they were doing. They were just straight liquidating. And so they got into it, and, you know, it was really a great thing for me because I was able to grow in that space. And, you know, since then I've, been, I've done quite a few other different entrepreneurial things and, you know, again, got the entrepreneurial spirit. And now I like to give back. I like to teach. Um, and I like to inspire. So, you know, I'm here today to kind of do the same thing. I love it. I got my girl, Ashley, Queen of Intellect member out there. I'm going to get her on very quickly as well. I don't know how long I got you for, Queen, but I'm going to steal you for as long as I can. But thank you for being on with us this morning and holding me down, if you will. Very quick background so we can get started with this morning's discussion. Thank you for being with me, Queen. Uh, Good morning, y'all. So uh, probably happened before, Ashley Thomas founder owner of Making Money Matter, and um, we do Making Money Matter Mondays. One's coming up this Monday, 8 o'clock. Uh, but, yeah, that's it. 
Absolutely. We'll talk about that definitely for the end of the show. This morning's discussion question, what can we learn from the Kyrie Irving suspension? Ashley, you're on the spot. Just brought you on. What's your first thought when you hear that question worded that way? Uh, well, I don't really know anything about what has happened. I've heard bits and pieces, so I want to know. Sounds good. Michael, um, very briefly, first thought when you heard the question worded that way. Run of the mill, man. This is another day in America. That, got it. William, your thought. What can we learn from the yep. Kyrie Irving suspension? Just your first <laughs> initial thought. Not the second thought, but just the first thought. <laughs> first, first thought, you know, it, it's just interesting. I thought it would be uh, – I was just like, wow, this is uh, definitely a discussion that needs to be had in America. You know what I mean? And pretty much that. It, it, honestly, the whole Jewish uh, connection to it, I'm from South Carolina. And I don't, you know, we, you know, back in my day, we didn't, we didn't hang around a lot of, a lot of Jewish, the Jewish community didn't really, we didn't know a lot about it. So for me, you know, I, I did what I always do. I went and kind of got more information. So that's kind of my first, you know, <laughs> so, nah, respect I educate yeah. myself, so to speak. Yeah, you want to know what you're talking about. Nah, it makes sense. Yeah. So with sure. that said, we're going to go. No, absolutely. With that said, we're going to go to our first break. We're going to come back hot and heavy into this morning's discussion question. We're going to start a very unique way. Uh, we'll, well, I should say start a unique way. We're going to go to a commercial, play a cut. I'll let y'all respond to the cut, and then I'm going to open y'all up to a potential piece out of my upcoming book, Re-Education of the Negro. I wrote something specifically on the Kanye and Kyrie situation that I think applies to this morning, so I will be sharing that coming out of the break. For the callers out there, we will be letting you get in. You can press 1 to get involved in this morning's discussion if you're online. If you're on if you're on the phone, I'm sorry. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. We'll be right back, but all I ask is that you think. Hey, Smithoff, where you find that Prince sign of the times on vinyl at? Real talk, you got a dope vinyl collection. What, you been collecting them, like, over the years or something? No, actually, I just started my collection. But my man Tobago over at DBS Sounds, he be hooking me up. You remember DBS Sounds? On the south side? They still around? I figured most of the record stores in Atlanta be closed by now. Hey, vinyl is the new wave, and DBS Sounds got the best collection in town. You can still go there and flip through vinyl. They still got CDs and mixtapes, too. Let me check their IG page at DBS Sounds ATL. They still be having artists in stores and everything. Hey, you want to run by there? Hey, man, I ain't got time right now. I got to go back to Cali tomorrow, but I might have to catch them next time. Oh, nah, you good. Even when you get home, you can just shop at their online store at dbssounds.com. They'll ship directly to you anywhere in the country. Matter of fact, jump on dbssounds.com on your phone and order straight from there. Word? Hey, I'm about to get my music game up. Hey, what's their address in case I get a chance to swing by there? I'm, I'm going to pick up that new Kendra Lamar CD. Oh, they at 6604 Highway 85, Riverdale, Georgia. Bet. Damn it, you got to explain to me why Kyrie Irving is on the front lines if this documentary is this anti-Semitic. Why is Kyrie Irving on the front line and not Jeff Bezos? And Amazon. Kyrie Irving's not going to make a dime off of this documentary. Kyrie Irving didn't put the documentary together. He didn't put it on Amazon. And so this whole outrage over Kyrie Irving seems completely dishonest to me. Because if this documentary 
is as negative and as harmful as they're arguing. Why wouldn't you take it up with Jeff Bezos and Amazon? That's who platformed it. That's who's profiting from it. He retweeted the graphic image that was probably taken from Amazon and Jeff Bezos' corporation. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. This morning's discussion question, what can we learn from the Kyrie Irving suspension? Our special guests are William Agnew and Michael Sutler, as we hear Jason Whitlock from his show Fearless giving his thoughts on why in the world is Kyrie Irving on the front line. We'll give even some more context, kind of, if you are out there, like, actually trying to figure out exactly what's going on. Um, But, Mike, I think I'm going to start with you. Uh, Just any thoughts to hearing Whitlock say, hey, why is Kyrie Irving on the front line of this entire situation? (laughs) Well, you know my thoughts on Jason Wicklock. Like I told you, you know, one of the things you'll hear about me is I'll explain my biases as best as possible. And one of the things that I do, you know, they say don't shoot the messenger, listen to the message. And I do say that as it applies, but as I've gotten older, credibility matters to me. Who says it sometimes is just as important as what is said. And it's this nuanced approach I take to it. But when he asks why and, you know, was there – not outrage against Jeff Bezos for this, into the who is the outrage coming from, what were the pieces, and I would construe that the outrage came from the NBA. I hope I'm correct in saying this, but as I'm looking at Kyrie Irving, as an employee of the NBA, I can tell you directly as a business owner, and also as a former employee, there's going to be a lot easier for an employer to dictate, and I do mean dictate, based on the contractual agreements of that business relationship between that employee and that employer as to what can be said, how it's said, and what you take grievance with, and that is a different animal than the NBA taking a grievance with another business because that involves a different type of relationship. That makes sense. Uh, William, I'll give you a thought and then I'm going to go into this piece for my possibly possible piece for my upcoming book and and we'll get into this piece, but yeah, quick thought on that cut as well. William. Yeah. Yeah. Jason Whitlock, not my favorite guy, <laughs> but again, I'm, I'm uh, like, like Michael, I don't, you know, I, I try as wisdom uh, is, is defined. I, you know, I try to listen to the message before I shoot the messenger a lot of times. And he asked, he actually posed a really, really great question in this sense. And the question is, why Kyrie Irving? Like, why Kyrie Irving? Kyrie, um, I mean, most of us know Twitter. We know how big of a monster Twitter is. And, you know, you see guys from the NBA, they're always reposting, retweeting, you know, everything. It can be, you know, uh, 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 it's just all types of stuff. And so the question you got to ask is why? And what I like to do a lot of times being a business guy is the first thing I do is I always follow the money interest, right? And more than just the NBA, what Adam Silver actually does a lot is he gives, he gives a lot of control to these, these, uh, these, these NBA franchises, right? And I look at them as, as that's what they are. They're franchises. 
But in the NBA, they get a lot of control in regards to how they manage their organizations. And so if you look at the uh, Brooklyn Nets specifically, the Brooklyn Nets has a lot of – they have a lot of uh, Jewish, right, uh, ownership and a lot of Jewish management. And with that being said, I don't – I like to follow the money, and a lot of times following the money, you know, with Kyrie, it's very interesting because money has been a thing with him since, right, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to get – too deep into the vaccination thing, but if you understand what happened with Kyrie in regards to the vaccination, right? He was suspended for quite some time, right? And he was also not paid for quite some time, mm-hmm. right? And so as a business owner, that's the first thing my, my antennas go up. Bing, 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 bing. Well, I didn't pay this guy, right? And I, and I manage people. I manage a lot of people. And there's a lot of times that we have to take, you know, action against people's behavior and things like that. But that being said, when it comes to the 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 vaccine and not paying people and suspending people, there's still a lot of gray area in that, and there's still a lot of retro that's going to be, have to be done. Now, I don't want to get into any conspiracy, of course, but again, as a business owner, what we like to do a lot of times is we like to get in front of problems that involve finance, always, right? And those are the discussions we're always having because that's the most important thing to the survival of the business is its bottom line. It's, it's profitability. It's, you know, how we spend money, Right. And so what you're starting to see with New York City specifically around the vaccine is a lot of information that's coming out that some of those things that they did in regards to how they manage people around jobs and finance is kind of still a gray area. And so with Kyrie, he did not get paid for a, a, a lot of money, and he was suspended for quite a bit of time during that time. And so, again, you have to ask the question, why? When you ask the question, why? Me, I, I always look at at that level. I always look at the money. I follow the money. I look at finance. And maybe, just maybe, it could be a situation where they're trying to get ahead of having to retro pay him for some of the things that they actually, some of the ways they might have mishandled his situation in regards to the, the finance. So that's, the, that's kind of the first thing that came to my mind in regards to why. And that's, that's specifically around the question that Jason Whitlock asked because it, right. it doesn't make gotcha. sense. It's like, why, why is Kyrie the, you know, right. why nah, is he the culture so much? Nah, it makes <laughs> you know sense. Let me, jump in here. Let me jump in here with you, King. Let me jump in here with you. So, okay. um, absolutely. Uh, very smart. Always follow the money. If, you go, if there is, I always say, you know, you know I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but I will say right. if there is one, one to find, following the money <laughs> is definitely the way to find it, if you will. So, I definitely right. respect that right. thought. And we will get into right. some of that thought because you're not the first person to pose that, and it is worthy of discussion. But I do want to go ahead and right. jump into this piece because, you know, Ashley, I know you're kind of picking up the pieces as we go. I will give one piece of context for you, Ashley, that I think will be very helpful. Um, the start of this thing, just to kind of highlight this, Kyrie literally just sent a tweet of a documentary, didn't even put any words to it. You're going to hear more of that context later in the show, but just to kind of give you that backdrop, um, he didn't say anything about the documentary. He just retweeted it. Obviously, as an NBA player with a public platform as an NBA player, it got picked up, but you're going to hear some of the ridiculousness around it. I'll point that out, and unfortunately, um, some you know some aspect of it, how it ended up getting him in trouble, even though he didn't put any words. So I just want to give you a little context um, before I actually read this piece again matter of fact William and yep William and um Michael if y'all will y'all know I have this book upcoming so y'all let me know if this piece is worthy of actually getting put in the book because the book the book is literally done about to be um 
uh, formatted or what, if you will. So I really don't want to add to it, but this piece might be worthy. So this piece is called Black Socrates Speaks on Kanye and Kyrie. For all the listeners out there who don't know about the upcoming book, uh, Re-Education of the Negro, it's basically commentaries that I've written over the last 10 to 15 years and some new, um, and some newer ones. And this one is the most recent. I called my pieces Black Socrates Speaks. But the idea behind the book is that you take commentaries like this, share with your friends and have dialogues. So we're going to do that live on the air with this piece. Hope it's not too long, but if y'all bear with me, um, I'll break down a perspective on this entire thing because Kanye and Kyrie obviously are related due to what's happening to them in the media currently. So again, this piece is called Black Socrates Speaks on Kanye and Kyrie. The power plays we are witnessing by the Jewish community to cancel Kanye and Kyrie have little to do with the social construct of race, but our unfortunate American experience only affords many African-Americans to view this through the lens of race. To be clear, this is cultural protection at its finest, and rarely will any action in this regard ever be measured by the scrutiny of a moral compass, especially when those actions are taken against a pedigree that has been largely powerless in this country for hundreds of years. Instead of complaining, I challenge the black community to pick up a pen and pad and take copious notes to form alliances with other black families, particularly those who prefer intentionally establishing culture versus accepting the one branded into the so-called black race while floating on the random currents of history. Calm the anger, be not exasperated, because when emotion prevails, logic fails. Also, be vividly aware that referring to these consequences as a form of public lynching is feeble talk since this is simply protocol a basic play out of the handbook. The weak-mindedness displayed by some of our brightest community leaders, while understandable, we must teach the next generation of black children that the world doesn't give a shit, nor will they without demand. Fortunate part about only knowing our struggle is that we mistakenly that we are mistakenly ignorant about some of the untruths referenced by Kanye and Kyrie and how they led to the Jewish Holocaust. If your mental scarring, PTSD, runs deep, you may deem this as approving of the Jewish community's reactions against Kanye and Kyrie, when in fact this is a piece about the importance of having a handbook for protecting our own, right or wrong, just like everyone else. Just my three cents, all I ask is that you think. One quick sidebar, if you only read this as unwarranted criticism of black people, I promise you are completely Overlooking, this is written solely from a place of unapologetic love for us as descendants of enslaved Africans who had no reason to call themselves by the social constructs of black, Negro, or nigger. So that is one of the pieces that possibly will be added to the upcoming re-education of the Negro. But I'll start with you, Ashley, again, not having the full context, but I think you've heard enough in that piece just to Ask this simple question, which idea in this commentary did you appreciate the most and why? If you could pull anything out of what you just heard, Queen. I I think it's, for me, I I think it comes back to, and a lot of the topics with mental dialogue is community and not necessarily sovereignty within it, but there's a need for community and knowledge and knowledge sharing. Mm-hmm. Love it. 
Love it. William, any thoughts to that piece? Anything that stood out to you? Well, I, I think I think it depends on – I think a lot of it is relative to your experience, right? And that's one thing I kind of spoke of in the beginning. It's like, you know, we're from South Carolina, and if you do study on Jewish immigration, right, what you begin to understand is that a lot of these guys, the European Jewish uh, 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 Jews, right, they migrated to the bigger cities, right, where the opportunity was. So if you're, if you're from, you know, the Carolinas, the Virginias, the – you know, the southeastern, a lot of these guys, they migrated to the L.A.s, the, the Los Angeles, the New York cities, the, you know, the Philadelphias, which is why we don't have a lot of experience or education, right, depending on where you're from. Again, a lot of your experience depends on your geographical location, your history, and some of that education, like a lot of us are being educated on what's kind of like Ashley, like Ashley hasn't been following it. And maybe it's just something that she's not interested in, or maybe it's just something that she hasn't been experienced with. And there's a lot of people like that who don't know, simply don't know. And if you don't know, how can you logically have an opinion, right, about historically or even present time about how you're being oppressed or who's oppressing three years or what it was, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving's of the world are important because they, they have a place. Right. What they do is they spark what we're doing right now, which is the conversation, the dialogue, the public discourse. And you have to have that to get the education a lot of times. It's a it's a scalability in education, which is very mm-hmm. necessary. That's what he, evolution is. That's what evolvement is. That's what growth is. That's what expanding is. And so it's a, it's uh, what I take from what you what you what you wrote is exactly that. Like the first thing you got to do is before you have an emotional response to what you obviously know and see all the time like slave movies are very popular i mean that's all we ever see as a narrative in front of us is that part (laughs) you know what i mean what Mm -hmm. we don't get to see is the full you know the full ecosystem the full aspect and how everybody plays and that starts with the education piece which i always say we have to go back and we have we're in we're in the information age now now is the time right but Kyrie, the Kyries of the world the kanye's of the world even though they're wrong in terms of what they say a lot of times and how they position it and what they – they're wrong because we're at the beginning of the information age to understand the full aspect and the scope of how it all plays together, not just what's going on with us to, today as how we feel, if that makes sense, right? And so that's, that's kind of what I pull from what, from what you're saying, right? Let's Sounds educate good. ourselves, understand, and then opinion about, you know, how we can move forward because at the end of the day, moving forward is what's important. No, it makes sense. Michael, anything that stood out for you? Again, no first time you're hearing this piece as well. Anything stood out for you? Well, first of all, it needs to be in, if at all possible. If I can influence that, any, it definitely needs to be in the book. <laughs> Thank you, But the first, the first thing that stands out to me, of course, is the, you know, you say it's a classic case of cultural protectionism, you know, how to do it and that we should, you know, take out our notes. I'm going to be honest. When stuff like this happens, the way the lens that I see it through, I'm looking at how this situation can be applied to my life to make it better. And like you said, it's sort of devoid of the emotional content. And there's a lot of reasons why I wouldn't have the emotional content around, you know, Kyrie and Yay. And it's interesting because just hearing what William just said, he put it in a fashion that a good friend of mine, a lifelong friend of mine has been imploring me to take that stance of saying that Kyrie and Kanye are necessary even though they're wrong, 
and I have vehemently been against that. Like I was like, I don't want to hear it. But the turn here is hearing William say that it gives the opportunity for us to have an education about these things, bring some value to me, whereas otherwise mm-hmm. I've been like, I don't want to hear any of this. This is this is beneath uh, you know my mission. So. Now that's dope. Uh, matter of fact, I'll say this. I know uh, William appreciate that because, you know, I think I think we've had a slight dialogue. I think during the con, just like personally or whatever. And 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 I think you know I've leaned heavily towards what you just said as well. Not not that I'm trying to cancel anybody out. Not that I care to. Um, that's the last yeah. thing we want to do. Obviously, as being you know, uh, uh, the moderator of uh, of a talk show of this nature. Um, but I think this is something that William would appreciate. Even Jason Whitlock, for however y'all may feel about him personally. There's a, another piece I may play on the show later, but even if I don't, um, and not this particular part, but I saw him on another on another one of his broadcasts highlighting historically how our country was much better at doing public discourse and people that thought very different, such as a Kanye or we or, or a Kyrie in this instance, right, would be applauded from the standpoint of being brought to have dialogues to, you know, brought to the radio, brought to TV to have dialogues exactly. about their difference and difference of opinion, because the public yes. would even want to challenge those different thoughts. Whereas what we're noticing now is if you're saying the wrong thing, there's a possibility they will try to pull you off all platforms, whoever that may be. And we see that constantly in this new age. Whitlock, to give him credit, because again, this was more, I heard, I saw him saying this, and I do agree with him. Historically, that's what our country has been. Now, he says it's actually, um, as we've become more secular, we have more fear now, whereas the country, you'll get him to give me why he said it, right or wrong, I just have to respect his perspective. I want to give it to, it, to, give it to you guys fairly. He says when we were more um, caught up into being a, in a sense a, a godly country, we were ne- we were never afraid of ideas, and he thinks that we, as we become <laughs> secular, we get again. That, I just want to give his backdrop for why he said it. We actually are up against the break. Uh, we'll come back. There'll be another cut again. Actually, this cut will give you a lot more context, and you'll be able to get hot and heavy in this thing with us as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Black America. So he essentially tweeted a link to a documentary that is available for every single person to watch on Amazon. It's not like he directed your attention to an obscure website. He just dropped the link. 
and this created an absolute firestorm online. The next thing that I saw was a statement that the Brooklyn Nets, Nets put out in regards to Kyrie's press conference. There was a firestorm. Kyrie had a press conference where the journalist pressed him on why he shared this documentary. And the Brooklyn Nets issued this statement regarding that press conference. They said, quote, over the last several days, we have made repeated attempts to work with Kyrie Irving to help him understand the harm and danger of his words and actions, which began with him publicizing a film containing deeply disturbing anti-Semitic hate. We believed that taking the path of education in this challenging situation would be the right one and thought that we had made progress with our joint commitment to eradicating hate and intolerance. We were dismayed today when given an opportunity in a media session that Kyrie refused to unequivocally say that he has no anti-Semitic beliefs nor acknowledge specific hateful material in the film. This was not the first time that he had the opportunity, but failed to clarify. Such failure to disavow anti-Semitism when given a clear opportunity to do so is deeply disturbing, is against the values of our organization, and constitutes conduct detrimental to the team. Accordingly, we are of the view that he is currently unfit to be associated with the Brooklyn Nets. We had decided that Kyrie will serve a suspension without pay, until he satisfies a series of objective remedial measures that address the harmful impact of his conduct and the suspension period served is no less than five games. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. This morning's discussion question, what can we learn from the Kyrie Irving suspension? Our special guests are William Agnew and Michael Sutler. Thank you both, Kings, for being with me. Um, Just a little more context again as we start peeling this thing back again. Kyrie pointed, tweeted, simply a documentary with no commentary, and as you kind of should be able to gather within that uh, cut from Candace, from the Candace Owens podcast was that basically the documentary itself had some things that were alarming, if you will, to the Jewish community. And after a game, Kyrie gets asked about, hey, why did you post this? And ask some direct questions about his sentiment about things that were put, that were in the actual documentary. And you kind of hear that the new, New Jersey, um, the Brooklyn Nets, I'm sorry, were a little upset at his responses. So the tweet caught the attention of the public, and they felt he did not respond properly to disavow, quote-unquote, anti-Semitism ideas within the movie. So that's, in a sense, what got him in trouble, because it does seem silly that just sending out a movie with no cunt, with no words, could get you in trouble. But when asked about it, he maybe fumbled the ball a little bit, obviously, to the Jewish community a lot. And so we're seeing what we're seeing. Mike, I think I'm going to start with you again because I do. I'll go ahead and admit I align with you that at the end of the day, this is an employer-employee situation. So I align with that thought. I will let that cut out the bag. But if you will, just give me some more dialogue as you hear, um, in a sense, the Brooklyn Nets response and this long statement of deciding to actually suspend him for five, at least five games, which I think was, at least for me, was still a little surprising, although I do give 
credence to an employer and employee situation can include whatever it may include. I think I was a little surprised at that to a degree. But as they said, he had a couple of opportunities, and I think that because he, in their eyes, failed on a couple of occasions, it led to a harsher type discipline, if you will. Your thoughts, King? Well, again, to me, I looked at this and said to myself, I say, well, you know, one of the things, and of course, like I told you, I have a couple from coronavirus, you know, from a couple of things I've been watching Kyrie with um, more and more interest because on one hand, I see a brother that is of the people. When I hear him speak on certain things, he is the definition of, I hate to use the term woke, but he's aware and he's becoming more aware. And one thing I will say about Kyrie, hear me, he is intelligent. He is intelligent. Is something I would put money to bet on. However, when it comes to you know intelligence, we like to think that intelligence is necessarily always right. Uh, intelligence always follows some logical discourse. It doesn't. Humans are flawed. When I look at it from the stance of you know the Brooklyn Nets, the NBA at large, and again as an employer, it is so cut and dry to me that I had to open myself up to dialogue because I thought I was missing something. But I I posited this sort of uh, analog to it, analogy. And I I was just talking to some other brothers about it, and I said, well, consider yourself you're the owner of, say, a barbershop. And you know, for most of you know that, you know, barbershops can have other barbers come in, they cut heads, and they pay sort of a commission of sorts. And Everybody makes money. You, the owner of the shop, as long as you have barbers that are cutting enough heads, they're doing sufficient. They're doing it. They're making money for you. Assume, like this barber shop, of course, is like one that I can imagine from the black community, where we come in and we talk about a host of things. In fact, you know, I'm used with you a lot of times about one of the first mental dialogue experience or most memorable ones I have was at a barber shop. You know, exactly. Mm-hmm. But in this barber shop. You can say this one barber, maybe all of them are black, it doesn't really matter, but everybody loves this one barber who is different from the rest. Let's just say maybe he's hypothetically he's Caucasian or some other uh, culture, but even though he's lively in debates and everybody looks up to him, when customers come in, he's constantly putting stuff to them as being, hey, I'm the real black culture, when clearly he's not. Now, the other barbers don't seem to have any issue with him, but your customers, now that you're the owner, starts complaining, saying, hey, I like your shop, like what you're doing, like your product, but you got this guy in here that's clearly saying something that is offensive to me. If you're that owner, you have a decision to make now. My question to the people is, what do you do here? You know, do you come to him and say, hey, this isn't it, you know, how do you want to do it, and he's still at this game? You have another set of responsibilities to do because not only is it your customers and your revenue, like William said, follow the money, but the other barbers in this shop are watching how you handle this behavior as well. Again, it's not the NBA. It's not a multibillion-dollar industry. It's just a barbershop, just an analogy. But I know me having something that in my business that goes counter to the culture, to the it brings up the risks of my business, I know what I do. It's easy. And to the last point, sometimes businesses do go overboard, which 
in my personal opinion, uh, uh, opinion, I do think they went were excessive with Kyrie. But there is a thing called making an example of it. I think we lambasted that because I heard Smart Brothers talking about buck breaking, and I was like, y'all are emotionally involved too far in this. <laughs> right. Way too far. Y'all took it. You <laughs> y'all took it and ran down the street with it. But I was like, there is a level of severity that you'll see in business, in the military, in structured organizations to maintain that said structure because that's where the money comes from. I love the analogy. Uh, William, what do you think of that analogy? How would you handle the, the, the white boy saying, nah, I'm really the black guy. Well, yeah, I'm, really, I'm, I'm really black up in this piece. I don't care what y'all say. How you, how you going to handle that with you? <laughs> I mean, as a business, obviously, you know, it, you know, the business comes first for the most part because it provides sustenance and, uh, you know, it provides, you know, resources for a lot of people. So you have to protect those people. In essence, it's not even really about the business. It's what the business supports. And so with that being said, mm. when your customers are coming in, those are your paying customers who are actually the lifeblood of the business. You have to take those things in consideration. So obviously what the uh, NBA did and when the way they responded, right, was the right way. You know, you want to make sure that you're protecting that business and protecting those people, those interests, those stakeholders. Uh, with that being said, um, you know, Kyrie is, again, I, I will say, you're always going to have Kyrie's of the world. That's not going to change. That's going to be something that's consistent all the time in an environment where there's, uh, you know, whether you believe that can be equality and opportunity or not, if there's not, and it, I don't think there ever can be, you're going to always have Kyrie's of the world. But the way you manage that is Kyrie is youth, right? He's uh, he's young, right? He needs guidance. He needs he needs wisdom. He needs Deion Sanders in his life. You know what I'm saying? He needs right. a contrast. As a contrast, so when you see what when you see what Deion is doing, right? Deion is not. He understands the game. But he's wise, right? He knows what the game is. And when you look at when you look at there is there is nothing more unequal, right, than college football in terms of who benefits and who doesn't. Right? Absolutely. And and that, that is the that is the most egregious in terms of right. uh <laughs> you know, in, in any example we can have. But when you look at the wisdom, right, of what Deion Sanders is bringing to the game, right? And how he is positioning and leveraging his his influence, his authority, right, which he's earned, just like Kyrie, right? Kyrie has that same influence, just with a different audience, maybe even the same audience, right? But what he's doing is he's approaching that and using that leverage in a different way. That's wisdom versus youth. And there's a place for both because you've got to have both. And that's what people right. don't understand. Both are a necessity because they show contrast. And what people have to see is that contrast. So when you look at a young Kyrie, Kyrie brings the noise so that Dion can organize it, set it straight, and apply it. And we have to understand that those are two different things. Those are two different approaches. And they both are very necessary. So Kyrie is necessary. Now, in terms of how you would handle him as a business, what Kyrie should be doing, as a matter of fact, if you look at what Kyrie should be doing, as opposed to, you know, the wisdom in him, if he, would, if he were wise, he'd be doing what Dion is doing. He would be suggesting that instead of going to Duke University, maybe some of you top recruits should be looking at HBCUs. He has that influence, right? He has that influence. He has that leverage. You don't offend anyone in that sense. What you do is you empower your people 
to make the right decision. If you look at the Jewish community, they had the same skill set. They had that same, quote, unquote, sauce, if you will, right, that we bring, right? Because we know we bring that sauce. There's Absolutely. No argument, right. Right? So why don't you, with that influence you have, Kyrie, do what Chris Paul has been doing, right? Go represent your HBCUs and say, hey, guys, I know you guys like what these Duke universities and North Carolinas and all of these guys are selling you. But if we really want to make change, if we really want to have leverage, if we really want them to come to us and pay us our value, look at Dion. He's the example. He's the wisdom. And, and the problem with us as a community is we're divided on youth and passion and wisdom and strategy. And we got to no, work that out. Great. We got to put <laughs> no, nah, great together, point, brother. You no, know I mean? nah, yeah. absolutely. William just told me, William just told me I was old. <laughs> he <laughs> told me I was old. <laughs> William just told me I was old. <laughs> I, love it. I love it, but he's all he's so on point. And so, because right now yeah, we're having, yeah, we're having the conversation we need to be having because we're asking, yep. what can we learn from this from the Kyrie Irving suspension? That's why this conversation doesn't. Again, we don't touch hot button items unless we're going to do them different. And I love where you guys are going and what y'all are bringing to the table because I would have never thought of that perspective. And you're absolutely right. That's the bridge that is so often missing, and you it has to be there. So I love that you pointing it out, William. We're actually up against another break. We'll be right back. If y'all will, tune into this next cut, and we'll get into uh, actually another one from Candace Owens' podcast cut from it as well, and we'll get into that those thoughts Um for the callers out there, press 1 if you want to get in. If you're listening online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Um, Ashley had to drop. She's going to see Black Panther today, so very understandable. I thank her for her little time getting in with us. We'll be right back. Right. Well, all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business, for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478 478- 781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. I think what people want to hear, though, is just a yes or no on that question. Yes or no. I, I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. Kyrie, did you personally meet with the ADL? I was informed that they wanted to have a meeting, and we handled it. So I wanted to play that press conference in its entirety because it is important. It's important to underscore, first and foremost, the absurdity of the media, the way that they are behaving in that press conference. They are essentially approaching him, pretending that every single word of the documentary that Kyrie Irving did not make, he has to answer for. Could you imagine a world in which everything you watch, right, you are somehow now responsible for every single word within it. Notably absent, by the way, is the press going up to Jeff Bezos, who 
is the owner of Amazon, who runs Amazon, and saying, hey, why did you allow this documentary to be on Amazon? There are, there's no outcry. There's no, everybody delete your Amazon accounts because of this documentary. They are putting this firmly and squarely on Kyrie Irving, which is problematic in the first place. I want to also make it clear that in listening to his words, it is pointedly ridiculous that they would say that he is unfit to be associated with. There was nothing that he said, but I would say that he is unfit to be associated with because he very clearly condemns the falsities in the movie. He says, I do not think this way. He actually calls them falsehoods that are unfortunate, right? He says that that is not what I said. Do not attribute every word in this documentary to what my beliefs are. He also very clearly stipulates to them when they ask him, are you anti-Semitic? He clarifies that he's not anti-Semitic. Now, why is Kyrie Irving saying that? Why is he saying, I can't be anti-Semitic? Why is he saying that a couple of breaths after he talks about the Oxford Dictionary? So here is the definition of Semitic straight from the Oxford Dictionary. It's relating to or denoting a family of languages that includes Hebrew, Arabic, and Aramaic, and certain ancient languages such as Phoenician and Akkadian constituting the main subgroup of the Afro-Asiatic family. The second definition listed is relating to the people who speak Semitic languages, especially Hebrew and Arabic. So clearly what Kyrie Irving is saying, based on that definition, is that he believes that he is Semitic, that he hails from maybe Africa or from Asia, which is what the documentary explores. I'm going to give you my feedback because obviously I watched the documentary after listening to this, right? His feedback is, do not make the word Semitic just about Jewish people in America. It includes a lot of other people, okay? Now, you might disagree with that. You might disagree with the Oxford Dictionary definition, but you can't be mad at him for stating the actual Oxford Dictionary definition, The last thing that I want to say here, uh, just regarding his press conference, and I I want to say this really from the heart, because there was so much pressure that was put upon me to condemn Kyrie Irving, right, to condemn Kyrie Irving based on this press conference, to basically decide that his pain is irrelevant. When I watched this press conference, I felt Kyrie's pain. I felt his pain, and I will say this emotionally and not rationally, as a black person, People don't often think about how bizarre it is that we don't know where we come from, right? We don't know. If you ask the majority of white people, they'll say, oh, my family's from Scotland. My husband's family can go back so many generations and talk about where they're from in England. And when you talk to most people, they have this sort of cultural understanding of their history. We don't. It's a weird feeling. You do sort of feel out of place. And yes, of course, it's because of the slave trade. And I'm not throwing that on anybody. I'm not saying that it's somebody else's fault. But what Kyrie Irving says is that you can't pit atrocity against another atrocity and basically say that his pain doesn't matter, that his noble pursuit of wanting to know where he came from, even if he landed on the wrong conclusions, is something that he is valid in feeling. It's a journey that he is valid in wanting to go on and wanting to partake in. So no, I'm not going to turn my back on Kyrie Irving and pretend that he's an awful human being based on this press conference. It's wrong. There are a lot of people that feel that they're Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, what can we learn from the Kyrie Irving suspension? Special guests, William Agnew and Michael Sutler. William, if I had to guess, I feel like you could appreciate those words um, coming from Candace Owens and Candace Owens' 
from her podcast and how she sees the situation because, again, a lot of people in the media have been pressured to turn against a Kyrie Irving. And, again, from the beginning, you've been saying, hey, this guy's needed. So I figured you would appreciate some of what she had to say there. Um, I'll get your thoughts. We've got Kevin from South Carolina wanting to get in as well, but I wanted to hear your thoughts first. Go ahead, King. Oh, oh, absolutely. Uh, Candace Owens, I appreciate her also. I'm not, not the biggest fan of Candace Owens because I know she's a pretty big opportunist, but with that being said, who isn't? And, you know, a lot of times she makes great points. And in this, you know, I love – I'm an education guy. You know, I'm big on education, of, and I like education. And, again, I had to go back and educate myself and understand, you know, these terms, Semitic, anti-Semitic. What does that really mean, religion versus a race? Like most of the people, of my people, right, my family have no idea what we're talking about, right? right. They'll find no interest in this, and it will turn them off because they are uneducated or unaware of any of the things that Kyrie, any of the points that Kyrie is even making. But what I do understand is Kyrie's audience is not us. Right. <laughs> you understand what? And one thing he does understand is that, as Michael said, he's a very intelligent person. And so he knows, even with simplicity and what he's doing, whether he's just reposting a link or whether he's just saying, I know where I come from. If I know where I come from, I can't be anti-Semitic, right? He's not talking to us. We're not his audience, and he understands that blowback is going to come from people who don't understand what he's, the points he's trying to make in the wrong fashion. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's the point he's trying to make and the, the audience he's trying to target is not us. And really what he's trying to do is he's trying to make the younger generation, who is this generation, because he continues to talk about the millennial generation from 80 to right. 81, 85, right? He read, very specifically, he says, us. Right from eighty-one to ninety-five, we are the chosen ones, and he says that also. But I understand what he's trying to do; he's just not doing it the right way. And what Candace is saying, yeah, it has some legitimacy to it too. But it's educated; it's all education. You have to go back and understand. And the first thing you got to be is interested in what the topic is. And a lot of people aren't, and I understand that, right? But again, that's not really. But self-awareness is the is the key word. It's understanding who you are, because we talk about that all the time. It's understanding where you originate from. It's understanding, it's trying to understand what that is, but doing it in a way that's real and not, you know, uh, what's the word for the way he's kind of doing it. I guess just, you know, it's... it's, it's I think you've already mentioned you know it, if I will. I mean. Let me get you a collar. But if I, I think you already mentioned yeah. it. Some of it is just the youth, youthful missteps. Um, yes. Because I just think you're highlighting something very beautifully that that most of us are probably unaware of that he's he is speaking to a particular audience, and because he's a public figure, we think this is for everybody, and we're just kind of not in the know, and so we may be triggered, or as you said, may not have any concerns because of our, some you know not being educated about the situation. So either it doesn't it doesn't move you at all, or it moves you maybe mm-hmm. a little too much because you don't understand he's not talking to you. So very dope point and nuance that I didn't right. even think about. Uh, let me go ahead and um, get – we got a couple callers that once again. I got Kevin out of South Carolina. What you got, Kevin? Give us your three cents this morning. Thanks for joining me, King. What's going on, Kings? Yeah, um, here's the thing. He did what people do. You, you ever, you know, get on your page and say, you know, I'm just going to set this right here because you already mm-hmm. know it's going to be a bomb. <laughs> you, already, you do that because you know it's going to be um, and you want to hear the effects of other people and what they about to say. But the reason why he said it there, because he watched the public lynching of Kanye. He watched the public lynching of Kanye mm. 
and he's saying, you know, a black man can't say what a black man is supposed to say. Nearly Fuller told us that we are not allowed to be men in this system. Well, I'm a black man, and I'm going to be a man. And see, I'm so tired of us not being able to be a man and say what we want to say without fear of the backlash. What I'm really more mad about is those bootlicks who get up there to try to jump up there. Like you said, they don't even know what he's even talking about. They don't even know what a Semitic is. They just know that these people that pay them their fat checks said that it's anti-Semitic. No one asked them what that even is. They don't even understand what it is. They just know that those small hats have jumped on people, jump on anybody who, who, who offends them, and we were not allowed to talk about it. But the tide has turned because, see, all those little bootlicks have been attacked by their own people now, and, we, and with, black folk ain't taking that no more. You're not going to come out here. Let them people defend themselves. Let them come out here and explain what it is. They're still terrified to have this conversation with Farrakhan. Until they can see Farrakhan face-to-face and they go back and forth to masters at the game, let the masters at the game discuss who's Semitic and who's not Semitic. In order to be Semitic, you have to be Afro. And those are the people who came down into the land and stole that, that legacy. See, that's what they're defending. They're defending being uh, uh, exposed for being a fake and a fraud like they are. And I'm that's my saying. I'm saying that. They're the people who stole the legacy, stole the identity. They broke in the house and took it over, and they're not the owners of the house. Hey, and well, I you know. The mic. Hey, there it is. <laughs> you know, we allow you to bring your three cents however you like it. Um, I will tell you, keep researching, keep researching, brother. Um, the story may be a little different in my opinion, just based on my research, but we welcome your three cents at all times. So appreciate you, Kevin, for your three cents. Uh, I will highlight this, though, you know, and say as a black man, you can't say what you want. I still ride with Michael from the standpoint of this is, an, unfortunately, an employee or an employee situation, even though it looks like millions to us. And obviously, uh, you know, those players can navigate their employment a little different than most of us, but I still reduce it to simply what any job, unfortunately, may possibly let you go or discipline you if you do something publicly that they think embarrassed them. That is the reality of this situation because it is in the context of the NBA, but I respect where you're going for them overall. Let me go to another caller. Area code 416, last three, 119. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hey, Montoya. My name is Leslie, and I'm calling from Toronto, Canada. I'm still trying to understand what Kyrie Irving's point even is. I mean, if the original Jews were black people, meaning the the Jews of the Old Testament, if they were black people, then what? What are we we to do with that? Are we to all now refer to ourselves as Jews? Are we to start practicing Judaism? Are are we to convert to the black Hebrew Israelite uh, religion? Like, what are we supposed to do? with that information as black people. And do you, Montoya, and do any of your guests actually believe that the original Jewish people were black? And if so, what are we supposed to do with that information? Now, thank you for the question. I will allude to 
Um, the question of today is what can we learn from the actual suspension and the things that we see happening to him? Um, but I would just highlight from a personal standpoint, we are at the top of the hour, so I'm going to keep this short. But I will highlight William kind of pointed out something that I hadn't thought about just to put in context that Kyrie, believe it or not, is talking to a specific group and not really to all of us. And that group, kind of like any religious sect, if he has chosen that type of religion, what it seems it seems to be from outside looking in that he may have done so. And so it's really for them and maybe not for you or I, because I understand where you're coming from. But if you, again, I just thought William probably, pointed out something that I hadn't thought about. If it's particularly for his set and he's standing for that, he doesn't care what you or I even think about it, only what they think about it. So I know that doesn't really answer exactly what you're looking for, but just so you know, we're really not even getting into his personal feelings as much as we're saying, what can we learn for how this situation can be handled? So I hope I gave you a little context. I will let you, uh, we're at the top of the hour, so I'll, I'll have to let you get your thoughts coming out of the break, um, whoever uh, the guest was. Um, I'm sorry, whoever, yeah, whichever one of you that was. But, Leslie, if you will, if you want to get back in, come off the one and come back on. Sorry for such a short response, but we're at the top of the hour. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think. Anybody else that wants to get in, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. We'll be right back. Truth Seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. Brother, brother, goofy. Where I'm from, we call motherfuckers like LeBron. Use a goofy. LeBron been sold out for the other side. That's why I don't trust no nigga that'll compromise himself for money. Hey man, for money, for money, they'll do whatever. Some people just don't want to be back out here with the rest of us. And that's what that's why I listen very thoroughly when when niggas say they'll do certain shit. When it comes to a certain amount of money, I'll be like, oh, nigga, you would do some fuck shit to me, nigga, if it came to money. I'm putting his name in my mouth. I ain't want to, but I'm going to do it. Mm-mm. Shannon Sharp, when he first started on television, when him and Skip was on the show, Shannon Sharp still had that revolutionary mind state. Yeah. But this is what happens when you get money and you get fame. Mm-hmm. You get drunk in it. Mm-hmm. You get drunk in it. When Shannon Sharp first started being part of the media, you couldn't get him to do this. Now, Shannon Sharp is committed to find a way to make it seem like Kyrie Irving is not credible. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving done did some fuck shit. Yeah. He did some fuck shit, but I'm watching him grow into a man that 
you motherfuckers in media can't be. Y'all motherfuckers didn't have the courage to tell them motherfucking monsters, fuck your shot, shove it up your ass. That's what Kyrie told them people. I know, I gotta put it up. Kyrie told them people, fuck your shot. I ain't putting that bullshit in me. Mm-hmm. And that shit is worth holding up in the air. Because most of the motherfuckers on motherfucking major media, most of the motherfuckers in the NBA, them motherfuckers shut the fuck up and took their shot. They put the shit up in them. That brother Kyrie stood in front of the world and said, fuck your shot. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, what can we learn from the Kyrie Irving suspension? My special guests are William Agnew and Michael Sutler. As you hear Corey Holcomb on his show, give his perspective of what's going on. And obviously he throws shot at some of the people in the media that have attacked Kyrie since that time. And he alludes to something you alluded to earlier, William, if you will, that there may be other things behind why Kyrie is being front and centered in this situation to a degree simply from posting a tweet. But I do agree with Calvin. The timing of it was probably in particular to um, um, what was going on with Kanye. So I definitely can agree. Hey, you just kind of said it right there, knowing that it's going to create a, a little controversy or whatever. So I definitely think Calvin was on to something with that. But we are now going to a place where you had already went to and just the mm-hmm. idea of what's happening in New York, particularly now, just to highlight this, because you went there, you said follow the money. He's basically mm-hmm. lost $11.5 million last year for the games that he set out. And so, as you mentioned, when you go look into it deeper, could that be what's behind all this? And again, not to create conspiracy theory, but when we say what can we learn from this, I like how you said, hey, when I looked at this, I started following the money, and that's, in my opinion, a way to look at it versus arguing back and forth. What did Kyrie mean? You know, what did he mean? What's going on with him? Does he represent us and all these type of things? Now we're going much deeper. So I'll let you jump in on those thoughts first, King. Yeah, well, I, I really wanted to uh, piggyback on what the, the previous yeah, caller Yeah, please do. Go ahead asked. and jump back. Yeah, jump in. Oh, Go jump up oh, on the oh, caller as well. Yeah, please do that, people, Leslie. People, I, didn't get to, I didn't get to give yeah. her a good enough time, so please jump on that. Please do. <laughs> Right, because she posed the question, what do we do with that? And it, that's, a very, that's a very, very good question. And, again, it goes back to what you are saying now, too, Montoya, where it's the audience. And what you have to understand is the audience is the younger audience. It's the millennial audience. And it always starts with the education. That's where it always starts. You have to have self-awareness before you can move forward on anything for the most part. Um, just recently I posted a, a post with uh, Dame Dash, and he was talking about, you know, feeling number one, like, like, your parents love you the most, so who's responsible for educating you? And that should be people who, are, who love you the most, right? And in that sense, I think Kyrie is taking on that type of spirit where he's like, okay, this is my group. This is my tribe. These are the people that I love. It's not everybody. I love these guys, you guys. You are my guys. You are my tribe. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with self-awareness. Once we start with self-awareness, then we can move to the next step and the next step and the next step. Now, if you look at how the Jewish community does that, which we have to look at success and what we deem as success or accomplishment, right? Let's take a look at that. And that's not even to say that they didn't take it from us or copy us. We're just saying this is what works today. So if you look at what the Jewish community would do, they would send the rabbi, right, the rabbi who is the wise guy, who is the wisdom, who would be, i.e., your Deion Sanders, right, 
he would go sit with Kyrie. Or your Louis Farrakhan, if you feel like he's not anti-Semitic and he's a leader and he's somebody that is, has more wisdom, he would go sit. He would be the rabbi who would go sit with the passion, right, with that youth, and he would educate him on the right way to get the same point, right, the mm, same message right. moving forward, right? This is how you do it as a community versus having this public discourse when you don't even have agreement or you don't have community yet. And so what happens is that question that we were just posed happens. Well, what are we supposed to do? What the fuck are we supposed to do with that? Like, I don't even know who we, what is he talking about? What are we doing? Right. black people asking that question, right? That's Corey Holcomb talking about Shannon Sharp, who's, a, who's an accomplished, because he doesn't understand, right? He doesn't understand the position that Shannon Sharp has and how he has to play. See, when you look at the Jewish community, the Jewish community, they I really believe, and this is part of my opinion, that the reason why they identify as Jewish is because a lot of the way that they live and a lot of the tradition they have is through religious beliefs. So what they do is they that's their center, right? right. And so when somebody steps outside of that center, so their politics is in there, their finances is in there, their health, their wealth, their, we- their wellness, it's all inside of that community. So if somebody steps outside of that community and steps outside of their uh, bylaws and their rules and their in, in terms of how they do as a culture, the rabbi comes within that and sets that straight, or at least gets that back on. Well, what are we supposed to do with that? Why are we doing this? Why are we approaching that this way? We as a black community don't have that. So Kyrie starting with everybody is never going to work. That's never going to work, right? And he under, he's smart enough, like Michael said, to understand that, and he's willing to put where he is, his social status, right, and his influence on the line to do that in the fashion that he does, right? But that's totally contrast to the way Deion Sanders is doing it. You have to look at those contrasts because they both are trying to get to the same destination, right? That's equality, that's fairness, that's legitimacy, that's respect. Everybody wants the same thing. Everybody's just taking a different route and has a different idea of how to get there. And some people are talking to everybody, some people are talking to their tribe, right? And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just different, and we have to understand that. But ultimately, let me say this real quick. Ultimately, we have to put all of it together as one entire ecosystem. So when Kyrie is not doing it right, then the, the wise ones, right. and they, and they talk, and they dialogue, right, and they get it back on track, and they say, this is the best approach, brother. I understand where you want to go. I understand what you want to do. I understand what you're trying to do. But the approach, if you want the most effective outcome, what's best for us in the whole, is we have to do it this way. We should do it this way, right? That's how we should. That's how we have to do it. Until we can get to that point where we all buy into that, right? And that starts with what we all have in common, which is money, which is religion for the most part, right? We have to start at those places or influence, which Kyrie has. Right, but he has to start at a small at a, in a small space, and that's only the people who identify with him for the most part. He understands that. He understands that step by step process. I do believe. I believe he's intelligent enough to understand no, that's 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 what I let, Yeah, let me let me ju- let us let me let us jump in here with you, brother, because um I'm picking up what you're putting down, which I stole it from one of my other queens of intellect members, Deasia Robinson. <laughs> so I got to you know give up. You know, I already told her by the fourth time is mine, but she gave it to me first. So I'm picking up what you're putting down, um in a right. major way. I'm actually. Um, and I'm pretty sure, if I had to guess, Michael's enjoying this conversation because 
you know, being a little older, if you will, not necessarily that you, you know, that we're much older than you, but I like how you're kind of bringing this dichotomy between the youth and the and the and the and the, and the elders, if you will, and it's a reality of a problem that has always existed. So I I see why you're kind of driving this home because you're taking this as an opportunity to have us think about this. In my opinion, as I listen to you, in a brilliant way, because this has always been necessary, and this discourse. God is there. I didn't see this coming today, but I'm loving what, again, what you're saying and being able to highlight the level of intelligence in what Kanye's, I mean, not Kanye, but Kyrie's doing, even if it's not, as you say, the best approach. Because what we've always known, who P. Newton said it, Tupac has said it, the revolution, they, you know, the, the revolution is left to the young. And so that's where that they will do the work. But what we've had as an issue in our community for oh so long was such a disconnect between the elders with the wisdom and being able to reach the youth. We experienced it when we was coming up. Like there was a, we felt like there was some missing guidance, if we will, because it was such so unrelatable. And what you so brilliantly pointed out is when you have intact culture, the protocols with those things are already understood. If we're honest about our American experience, it actually makes sense why that divide exists. There's no need for blame. But I hear William continuously harping on a possible solution if we can speak on it like he's doing today. At least that's what I'm pulling out of this. Michael, very interested in your thoughts on, on where we're going with this today. Oh, man, this is why I signed up for, you know, to be a part of the show, especially when you have guests like William, because it does take my mind in a different direction than what I expected. And I think the hallmark of, you know, prosperity and stuff for not just the black community, but just for humans is to be able to take in new information, be able to process it and come, like you said, not just to the problem or to the understanding of the problem, but two new solutions it may not be the right one right off but that evolution of thought is really you know part of the whole issue and i'm having that right now as i listen because to me i try to look now upon the things that are universal to humans and you know he talked about you know what makes up a culture you know language becomes one of them religion uh the mannerisms and traditions that kind of branch uh as tributaries off of those and i always bring that back to what is black culture versus what is Jewish culture or Asian culture or white American culture, put a name on it. But one of the things that is universal that we're seeing here, William highlighted this first, was that there's a universal struggle between the youthful passion and the wisdom of old. It's one of those things that wisdom must be one of those things that must be burdensome, must be heavy, because you start to move less, you start to do a lot less, once you acquire enough wisdom, it's a rare person that has that balance of wisdom and is still able to affect and influence at a very high level. Uh, my mm -hmm. question then now is to like the Kyries of the world, and I've always kind of mused on this. In my bag on the financial side, how do you appeal to somebody who has never had that appeal come to them from a certain place or certain look? How do you deon the situation, if you will? in a way that can be received, in a way that the dialogue can be transmitted just like we're doing now, because what comes out of that is going to be a holistically different thing. And again, for the black community, however you shape it, look it, 
it's so important for us to answer this question because the outcomes of being able to link this universal problem between the youth, that youthful revolt and vigor versus the wisdom of the ages counts doubly for us because of our situation, our socioeconomic situation in the United States. 100%. We're up against a break. We're up against a break. Okay. So, All right. um, I'm going to have you rephrase that question just so that we can try to deal with it coming out of the break fairly. Um, I will be playing a couple of cuts from Jason Whitlock. Um, we'll, we're going to deal with your question before we get back to these cuts, but I'm going to go ahead and play them after the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, Smithoff, where you find that Prince Simon of the Times on vinyl at? Real talk, you got a dope vinyl collection. What, you been collecting them, like, over the years or something? No, actually, I just started my collection. But my man Tobago over at DBS Sounds, he be hooking me up. You remember DBS Sounds? On the south side? They still around? I figured most of the record stores in Atlanta be closed by now. Hey, vinyl is the new wave, and DBS Sounds got the best collection in town. You can still go there and flip through vinyl. They still got CDs and mixtapes, too. Let me check the IG page at DBS Sounds ATL. They still be having artists in stores and everything. Hey, you want to run by there? Hey, man, I ain't got time right now. I got to go back to Cali tomorrow, but I might have to catch them next time. Oh, nah, you good. Even when you get home, you can just shop at their online store at dbssounds.com. They'll ship directly to you anywhere in the country. Matter of fact, jump on dbssounds.com on your phone and order straight from there. Word? Hey, I'm about to get my music game up. Hey, what's their address? In case I get a chance to swing by there, I'm, I'm going to pick up that new Kendra Lamar CD. Oh, they at 6604 Highway 85, Riverdale, Georgia. Bet. These people justifying the persecution of Irving over a harmless and boring documentary would all want to silence and deplatform Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali in the 1960s. X and Ali, the highest profile members of Elijah Muhammad's Nation of Islam religious sect, boldly and clearly complained about an unhealthy relationship and power dynamic between black communities and Jewish business owners. Here's just one of many examples of what I'm talking about. If you are personally anti-Semitic. No, uh, how can I be anti-Semitic when the Arabs are semi, half the Muslim world are, is Semitic? If I was anti-Semitic, I'd be anti-Arab and anti-everything uh, else. No, I think this, that in this country, there's one mistake that the Jews make. Uh, they put themselves in a position where whenever anybody gives an objective analysis of the role that they play, uh, they defend themselves by accusing you of being anti-Semitic. And, and uh, a Negro is not anti-Semitic when he says that the, the man who's exploiting him in his community is white because it is a white man who owns all the stores. Now, is it a, an accident that these whites who own these stores are Jewish? If it's an accident, then uh, the fact that he says the Jew on the corner is exploiting me isn't an anti-Semitic statement. It's just more descriptive. The reaction to West and Irving demonstrates how members of the black media and celebrity elite line their bank accounts by pretending to be friends of the revolution. What Weston Irving said about Jewish people pales in comparison to the rhetoric of Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali. It's not in the same galaxy. Irving retweeted a graphic of an image of a documentary that was released in 2018 based on a book that was published in 2014. It took eight years before anyone realized Hebrews to Negroes 
posed an existential threat to the Jewish community? Irving's retweet of the doc is more harmful than Amazon hosting it? The overreaction is illogical. The black elites lining up to condemn Kyrie's unmask their real revolutionary mission. They speak for the corporate elite. They speak for Pfizer and other big pharma corporations, the primary advertisers on television, the makers of the experimental vaccines Irving refused to take. They speak for Amazon, the hosting and commerce platform that is now buying sports television rights. No different from Ben Shapiro, LeBron James, Stephen A. Smith, Shannon Sharp, Charlemagne the Frog, and roughly, I'd say, 90% of all Americans who don't want to get crossways with global corporations. Welcome back <laughs> to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, what can we learn from the Kyrie Irving suspension? My special guest are William Agnew as well as Michael Sutler. I wanted to address something briefly out of that, and we'll get back to your question. But I think that was you, Michael, laughing. So I think I'm going to take advantage of getting <laughs> getting getting the I, – I think I know why you're laughing, but I would like to let you go ahead and let get it out while, while you're in that emotion, brother. Go ahead, King. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was, on, I was on mute, but, yeah. It was absolutely – this is why I tell you I don't rock with Jason Whitlock because he speaks as the – like you see on Fox News and this like the rhetoric that he has, it's so disingenuous. It paints a picture that is not there. And so he talks about logic and, you know, this is a new logic. You have blacks lined up. Where was the line? Where was the line to come up to, <laughs> you know, castrate and, you know, eviscerate Kyrie online? If it wasn't for his damn employers, too, he's as right. much a part of the incendiary nature of this. But, again, it paints the picture of those, like, again, a dividing type thing. And mm-hmm. I just <laughs> – the, the illogic is like where – yeah, it, just, it can't have a laugh at it because it, it's the unlearnedness or the susceptibility that I see to those who sometimes seek, but, you know – if it sounds good, it hits your, you know, it hits that confirmation bias. Yeah, this is exactly what it is. Yeah, this exactly. is when, you know, it's just the same messages rerouted. It's politics, man. It's politics. Yeah, and let me let me break that down a little bit because I did. I definitely want to revisit your question. I got Brother Pianca trying to get in as well. But let me let's take a, take advantage of what you're pointing out here and go a little deeper. Uh, for as you said. Well, quite often we are aware if your confirmation bias is there, and it's not that you're consciously, as any of us can be guilty of this, but I just want to highlight the psychologist because I think it's a great point right now, Michael, is so the way your confirmation bias, again, for anybody that listens, is just if it makes sense or it hits your confirmation bias, it, you're like, yep, that's what it is. It's like any of us can do it, no matter how brilliant or, te- or intelligent we are, any of us are susceptible to it. But, yeah, here's the unfortunate reality of even making the comparison because I hate the comparison to Irvin to Ali because it's completely Absolutely. yeah it's completely different context and so I want to take a little moment again what can we learn I could, I consider this a learning moment you know what I mean for anybody again for me it's not about Jason Whitlock because I appreciate it I still appreciate the commentary just because it challenges me to think right and so again I appreciate it and as William said it's all worthy of discussion and worthy of dialogue so that's what I appreciate the most from it with that said digging out 
the nuance of the reality and putting it in proper context versus, as you said, in the cynodary version of that context is completely different things. Like people are lining it up as the same thing, and we're talking about a situation where Ali actually, in a sense, took on the government, and his money, in a sense, was taken from the government where free speech is control and rule by our constitution, we quite often convolute the two and think free speech applies. It it applies nowhere with a private company. Hence, Michael, in the very beginning of this thing, saying this is really, in a sense, if you want to be very direct and honest about it, an employee in the NBA having a problem with their employer. It's really no simple than that if you want to put it in the simplest context. And so once you understand that, then putting it out on tweet is doing something in public that your employer can have a problem with. You must separate this from Ali says, I, because of my religious belief, a protected constitutional right, I am not going to war. They didn't want to respect the NOI because they were looked at as a fringe sect with the you know with the terms they use with under Elijah Muhammad they didn't want to respect that and they wanted to force him to go into the army the United States for those who don't know any of that history they were actually offered this is how how just so people know how solid Ali was they even offered to let him go to Korea and be on the um boxing squad for the military and he was yeah. not going to have to fight and Ali still yeah. stood on his principle and said I would not enter your military. These two things should not be compared at all even though people like to make that context. Michael it sounds like you wanted to jump in on that. I think that was you. Go yeah. ahead and jump in before we go to yeah, that was the, the other part was I love the in the ironic sense the selectivity when you go how to me, I'm like, how dare we compare Malcolm when Malcolm told us not to let the who be our spokespeople? Who did the, who? What group did Malcolm say should not be the spokespeople for the uh, American Negro? Entertainer, right? Yes. So how do you take Malcolm's words in one place? And here we are, 60 years later. He's like, well, why is Kyrie on the front line? Well, that that highlights something else, I think, that is, again, a problem that needs to be solved, but definitely not a comparison that we should be proud of. Absolutely. That's not. like to me, that's that's the and that's the other reason why I was like, oh, man, this is this is rough, because Jason Whitlock, of all people, again, adding on ad homonyms attacks along the way with, you know, some of his other media uh, black men. I just don't see how you. It's just like, you know, I, I used to see in the 2016 elections, I would see tropes with uh, MLK with a Republican MAGA hat on. You know, it's, it hits the same for me. So, No, I respect that. I mean, I'll say this. I'm going to go to Brother Pianchi here, you know, just to highlight this very briefly. Because, again, what you're talking about is, yeah, Michael um, – I'm sorry, Malcolm and Ali are, as you know, t- to his point, they're saying things that – Kyrie could never say no. They're not in the same stratosphere as he said. Right. While he's correct, he's also talking about um, uh, Malcolm, who is not controlled by an employee. He's actually representing the NOI and is free to say whatever he wants inside of his context. And and so, to, like you said, to convolute it and act like it's somehow similar. Whereas if Kyrie was, you know, in his own league, he wouldn't fire himself 
for saying these things, and he could do it as much as he wants. And so that is the context that's lacking when those comparisons are made, and I know that's your frustration with the misuse of those comparisons. So I definitely respect oh. that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead if you want to say something. I'm going to let Brother Punky jump in here. But do you want to say something real quick? No, that's just that, like I said, always is perpetual. Uh, no, I want to jump in after, after Brother Pianchi. I, I'd like to add, add something All right, to that. sounds good. All right, sounds good. Yeah. All right, Brother Pianchi, we got you live on the air. What you got this morning, King? Well, I've been listening, and a lot of people have said a lot of things that are <clears throat> reality, like what you just got you saying. Uh, the lady, what she called in and said, what is they going to do for us? You know, the word us, they, and them are just used inappropriately mm-hmm. because it ain't no they the day right. and us is your specific group like you may mention that Irvin is talking to a specific group of people that believe what he believed based on whatever he read or whatever he's been teaching during the time of Cassius Clay I remember very well everybody didn't believe all blacks didn't believe the nation of Islam and mm-hmm. and by 10 years 11 years before that they was at their peak. Actually, it was nine years. But look at them today. They're very dismal remnants of what they once upon a time was. It ain't no such thing as no we, because this thing trying to prove that it's a we has been going on forever. Since going back to the days of before Collie House in the late 1800s. So you are what you want to be and who you want to be with. It doesn't spread out broadly. No, I love that thought. I mean, this is what, what Brother Pianchi is bringing uh, for those hopefully who heard the first hour. It's, it's, it's playing around the verge of how I'm always challenging us to understand the social construct of race. And so we, we do talk in a, a form of we not understanding the particulars of culture, how culture is built. And William has spoke to that. The Jewish culture, when you do your research and understand it, it's not a concept of race. William, go ahead and jump in here, brother. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm go a minute past the break, so I may have to cut you off and get you back in. But go ahead and jump in okay. for a minute before we go to break. You have to understand, like, this is why I always say wealth and money is the most. Oh, I'm sorry, brother. Go, go back in. I jumped you off by accident. Jump back in there. I'm sorry. I didn't know That's all right, go ahead, yeah. This, this, Matter of fact, let's just do that. Let's go to break so I don't cut you off because okay. I'm about to cut you off. I don't even want to do that to you. Okay, go let's ahead. Let's go, go ahead, to this break. Yeah, we'll be right back. For anybody else that wants to get in, the number is 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. You do have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. But all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. 
everybody accountable even owners of teams accountable with things that are happening in other countries i.e. China and Uyghurs and the Muslim genocide that is occurring that we hear Ennis Cantor talk about but we don't keep the same energy for everybody we pick and choose what conversational points we want to make more polarizing and I might lose my job I might lose deal opportunities in the future for speaking out about even the platforms that continue to promote and profit a movie that is considered anti-semitic to billions of people they don't have to be accountable who is accountable but we're gonna put everything on the shoulders of Kyrie Irving who even though he said I cannot be anti-semitic because if I know where I came from stating that he's one of the four lost tribes He's saying that blacks and Jews come from the same entity, the same thing. But we don't want to understand nuance. We want to be triggered by words. And we like fire. And we like things that are, you know, going viral on social media. And everybody has some kind of hot take. And we're calling people idiots. And we're calling people names because that's what we do. We just destroy each other. I ain't going to destroy each other, man. I'm not going to do that. Is Kyrie Irving anti-Semitic? Hell no. Could he have gone about it maybe a different way? That's what I would have advised him to do. But I'm not going to let you guys sit out here and make this dude out to be like he is a villain, like he is a bad person. He is looking to explore his heritage. Now, you can crucify me if you want. I don't give a damn anymore. It's time for people to start speaking out with nuance and speaking out on the principles they stand for. That's all I'll say. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, what can we learn from the Kyrie Irving suspension? As you hear, Jason Williams, former basketball player, basketball analyst on ESPN, give his personal thoughts as he went live to talk about Kyrie Irving in this situation. Um, some things I agree with, sometimes things I don't. I don't play the cuts because I'm agree or disagree. We're here to think and push the envelope. And um, I want to highlight this before I let you jump in, William. Um, just a couple things because there's a, a, a couple things that have been kind of constantly being hit on in some of those cuts. And I just want to kind of point out a couple things. The best thing that he said was the idea of nuance. As I say, we are the best in the world at hard conversations on race, sex, and culture. And I love, again, just really, I didn't have any idea what the dialogue would go where it's going, where it went today. And I'm loving it because we've kind of stayed away from the extremes of it, if you will. So I love Jason Williams pointing out how we've gotten away from nuance and that that's what creates the dialogue and the dynamic of the extremes and, and counseling people and those things. So I love that. Um, I do want to highlight this just as a, you know, is in my opinion, as a smart point, just to challenge this because we hear it said so often by some of our most brilliant, this idea of Jeff Bezos and the Amazon platform being held accountable. I want to put that in perspective because it's really no different than, in my opinion, as Michael highlighted specifically for the Kyrie and NBA, that's just employer and employee. Here's the reality of a commerce platform. At the end of the day, if I were a music artist and I put my CD up on a platform that distributes, that is not marketing. If nobody knows it's there, I won't sell a thing. And so 
the reality of a commerce spot, one, having to prove itself as is that not is that not endorsing? No, it is not. It's just a commerce spot that anybody can put whatsoever. And so there is no um, – it's not an equivalent to compare a commerce spot to marketing. So as Kevin alluded to, he understood what he was doing by putting that as a public tweet. Again, this is not me trying to be for or against Kyrie. It's about speaking to it in the context that once you take the emotion out, here's the logic to it. So a platform of commerce in itself is not supportive. I just have a place where you can sell your goods regardless of that, what that is. So, no, it doesn't make sense that the platform could be. And then here's an idea of just to talk about it from a power play. So from a power play, um, as I think William alluded to, New Jersey does happen to have several Jewish people that are in leadership of the Brooklyn Nets. And so um, that culture deciding, hey, we would have liked for him to answer a certain way. Again, it's not about whether we agree or not. It's talking about what they chose to do. And they didn't like how he responded. And then they put some things in action because they're in a position to obviously mess with his money and make these type of power plays. I don't know that that group, if they wanted to, could just go to the, one of the richest men in the world and make that same power play. I'm highlighting this. It's not about writing wrong. What I am highlighting is people do what they have leverage to do. And sometimes when we say, hey, same thing doesn't happen when something happens to us, sometimes it's because we're not in a leveraging position. I'm not reducing us to just that because as much as we're saying that and quite often continue to say it's not the same, I know there's an NBA former NBA owner by the name of Donald Sterling that no longer owns his franchise because of a private conversation with a jump off or a girlfriend. So even in our position of not having positions that can make the, if you will, the boss calls, the protests happened to the extent that that man lost his franchise over comments about our community. So it's not always one and the same, and it's not that it does not happen to others. Mel Gibson also comes to mind. Again, I'm not on the side and bringing a bunch of logic to put things in perspective because when you're emotional, you forget. Mel Gibson was the darling of Hollywood, said some semantic comments, and he hasn't directed or been in a movie since. So that culture is protective regardless of who you are. Had to point that out. William, please jump in, King. Yes, sir. And to piggyback on that, what you got to understand, just to piggyback on that, uh, Montoya is the value is the most important thing. So you've got to understand that. In order for certain groups to be who they are in this uh, America, right, you can't compromise the value. And any compromise of the value, no matter what you look like, is subject to disciplinary action. That's 100%. So when you talk about Mel Gibson's of the world, when you talk about Roger Sterling, when you're talking about a $3 billion franchise, if he compromises that, he has to be removed. Now, how he's treated might be a little different, but the fact right. of the matter is you have to show that somebody took action so that that value was not compromised because that value is everything. And, when, and speaking on that, just to transition, you have to understand that it's all about incentive, right? This world is based on incentive. It's incentive to do whatever it is or to do so. So that incentive is about money. 
we need more Michael Salters of in our community, our, our solution. I'm a solution-based guy. We need more guys who understand how to build wealth. Wealth is the incentive for every behavioral action that humans do. It's the incentive. I don't care who you are. I don't give a shit who you are. You get up and go to work in the morning based on the incentive to get paid so you can pay your bills, right? You don't question how that company is running its company. Most, most people don't, right? With the, the, the thing that universally connects us all is the incentive to get up and go to work. That being said, we have to understand how to build that incentive. The reason why the youth don't respect our elders is because they don't see the incentive to do so. That's what you have to understand. It's about wealth. It's about, well, what are you passing down to me that I have to even listen to what you're saying that's going right. to change the way that I – you understand what I'm saying? So yes. they don't respect – give you an example. When, when Jackson State played, who is that they played? And the guys were in the in – the, in the, uh, and, and Dion's walking around. Dion's a prime example, man. If you look at Dion, he's a great example of a problem with what's going on with us now and the solution, right? He's both. He's the contrast. But they were going, fuck prime, fuck prime, fuck prime. These are the our Grand people State. talking to a – yeah, these, right. are our, right. these, these are our people, our young people, saying, fuck our, our, our elders, right? There's no respect. And the reason there's no respect is because you don't have enough Michael Salters of the world because there's not enough in do so. So you got to understand, even in the Jewish community, it's not about the young people obey and they fall suit because they realize what they lose if they don't. Right. And that is, that is the incentive. Which is what? It's, the, it's, that, it's that generational wealth. That's what keeps them in check. Who owns everything? So if I fall out of line, guess what? I don't get to own the net. I don't get to be an executive in the net organization. I don't get to do that. I'm going to be ostracized. And that's just human, natural fucking human. I mean, excuse my French, but that's just no, the hate. It really has less to do. It really has less to do with who you are. As the example Montoya just gave, it has to do with the incentive is. So I, I always pose this question, right? How did the Jewish community, who represents 2% of the population, 2%, that's 7 million people in the United States, right? They are the top, right? They represent 25% of the top 400 wealthiest people in this country. And they did that in 100 years. They did that in 100 years. So, so I, I have yet to get the answer to that in 2%. Represent 25% of the top 400 wealthiest in less than 100 years because what they understood, and then when you go back and you do the timeline, this is very interesting too, right? This is very interesting too. When you do the timeline, a lot of that immigration, that European immigration of, 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 of Jewish immigrants into the United States happened right around the Tulsa development also and, the, and Tulsa being destroyed. And if you look at what Tulsa really was, it was about Michael Salters of the world coming together, understanding that the most important aspect of sustainability, of growth, of connectability, of incentive to stay as a whole is finance. It's wealth, appropriation. Until you have that, collectively, it's going to be very hard for a younger generation no, nah, makes sense. Let me let let me let Michael jump in here, because um, he, he say hey, he say he has an answer for you. I think I, I might have one too, but I think I'll let I'll let the, the I, finance I, investor I, take his shot at it. I'll be quiet because I'm I'm at, I want to sit at his at his feet on this one. Go ahead, brother. Well, one of the things that you know, again, this whole debate sparked, and it really started with the yay stuff, but it started me asking the question because I I knew anytime you look at the four four hundred and you look at Jews. 
And it's funny. You'll see American media, which I find at fault, highlight how anti-Semitic black culture is. They'll say, mm-hmm. oh, well, African-Americans have always had a you know, rupturous relationship with Jewish Americans when America itself, just like any inside game versus outside, has also been very complicit in not only just being, but, you know, mm-hmm. promoting anti-Semitic behavior. But mm-hmm. William highlights, you know, the rise of Jewish wealth, you know, in the last hundred years, and that rise is true. But to get a glimpse of the Jewish community, the true world-bound Jewish community, right. a millennia, you have to go back to yes. these traitors, these people who were ostracized. They had their own versions of slavery. They were ostracized from parts of Africa, parts of Asia, and parts of Europe. But what they did in various ways by keeping this religious and linguistic heritage together, they learned trade and commerce. And, you know, there were these things in Europe where they would say, oh, well, we won't mess with Shylock or the dirty dirty Jews. Like you hear, you know, Shylock, Mm Merchant of Venice uh, from Shakespearean times. They were then pegged as being people who were ostracized. They were, not, they were less than. But what they were doing was learning the mannerisms, the likes, the everything about the people, and learning to sell those things. They could go to Africa, be a lesser group, get the resources, and peddle them all over the world. That's 100%. also along with their written and oral traditions set the boundaries for people who had a right to develop their own leverage. And I'm yes. saying this in particular because we just start talking about, well, what do we, whoever our we is, need to do to get leverage? Yes. It's yes. in this story. It's a yes. thousand-year story. You can see the last century of it. Yeah, we're definitely in the story. Yes. I'm actually up against our last break, yes. fellas, so we'll definitely develop that. Calvin wants to jump back in as well. Anybody else out yes. there, 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646 787 one six nine one. You have to press one to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. But all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services. We are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over fifteen years, LNG technicians have over one hundred and fifty years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. You gotta follow the you gotta follow the laws of that land. You don't get to been wandering around in the wilderness confused and come back with your found information and tell them how it was Stay and clean. how it's gonna be Stay and who clean. they were before you came along with your lost ass. You know yeah, what I'm saying? That's where we make that's mistakes. where the disrespect comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, ain't no disrespect. I'm not about to say I'm not about to I'm about to <laughs> So so you're saying there's no disrespect, but those people, if you ever go watch actual dialogues where like something that as African Americans, we're quick to claim misappropriation. It could be the simplest thing, a white girl with braids or something like that, right? We're quick to make these claims of misappropriation. But if you go talk to Native Americans or these various groups that sometimes we're taking claims over, 
you can you just you're just probably not aware of it. But if you actually go research it, they're very they're very disrespected by someone trying to rewrite a history that they know very well that they've passed down in writing very well. Unfortunately, our enslavement being moved all the way from one continent to another, we lost that period. So that's why we're lost trying to find it. There's nothing wrong with trying to find it. However, as the Asia said, we start writing entire books, rewriting history, and teaching it to the next generation. And that culture is looking at us like, what the hell are they talking about? Sorry to cut you off, Black Tiger. That's the same exact thing that the white people did to us. What black people are, what the, the black people, because they're in the wilderness and they're in the diaspora trying to find themselves and thinking that they can, you know, start mm-hmm. telling these people who already know their history, who already know their culture and customs, and start telling them something different, then we're no different than what they did. We're not doing anything any different than what they did to us. They whitewashed it and we trying to blackwash it. Like at That's this weird. particular point, we're trying to take claims to every single thing in a minute. Niggas gonna start saying they invented French fries. <laughs> you know what I'm hey, saying? I, no, like, we did. We did, D.H. <laughs> start with me up in here. The first person did it was a black guy. <laughs> right, welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, yeah, Montoya, <laughs> Montoya Smith, <laughs> a.k.a. Black Socrates, as you heard me. As a guest on a pop-up show with Desta DeAsia, one of our Queens of Intellect members, we had a good time on her show talking about the Kyrie Irving from a more, uh, I guess, cultural perspective with the Hebrew Israelites and things of that nature, kind of what Leslie wanted to take us earlier. So I would highly recommend that you go watch that show, Leslie, as we got into some of the things I think you want to get into. But this morning's discussion is what can we learn from the Kyrie Irving suspension? And I'm loving where we're going with the dialogue. If I can highlight this quickly before I go back to Kevin and Brother Pianki wanting to jump in as well, so I'm going to try to get to them very quickly. Um, just loving everywhere we're going, the things that, uh, um, Michael, you just pointed out. And I want to just make it real succinct and real clear um, what Michael is saying and how it relates to the day. So what he's talking about, with what they were able to do in the history, even though may, they may have been persecuted or looked at as less than the Jewish community and Jewish cultures at various places before they had a land to go, you know, go to in, in Israel because they pretty much did not have a land, if you will. So quite often, as he mentioned, they would be looked at less than and them mastering a trade is really no different than something that Michael and I have pointed out on some previous shows is the idea of we see this with, for example, um, various levels of Indians from India that come to this country who are brilliant and masterful in engineering and science and things of that nature because there's such a class system in their native country sometimes the family will get behind their most brilliant child get them to america on one of those um, particular visas and that child is kind of burdened with you have to be a success because you can pull our entire family out of poverty um so a brilliant play if you will to, to jump into STEM where we're lacking a, a lot of positions that even Americans can't fill, so they play that game. But what they're ultimately doing is exactly what the Jewish did is say, hey, there's a need. We're going to saturate that market, be that need in our country because we don't have enough science and engineers in our own country makes it easy for them to come to this country and say, if you master this skill, we will pay you a lot of money. So the value transcend how you may look at that 
if you were to go to their home country, they may be in the class that's not even respected in India, but they come here and get rich, not because they're Indian, but because they add value in a particular thing. So that's the solution that Michael is offering. Calvin, I'm going to jump to you real quickly and go to Brother Fiyaki after that. Go ahead, um, Calvin. What you got for us, King? Oh, that was a good clip you played right there. And, and he was like, wrong. <laughs> so because we, and that's an that's a, 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 a very important part of the conversation is that the people that are pushing back so hard know the history. We know our own history. See, something Charleston White said last week, I believe. He said, you know what? These are the people that made their money off of us. The key to them, you were talking about where, where they, the brother said something about uh, he didn't know where they, you know, no one was able to answer the, how they got to where they are. Remember, these are the people who financed the slave trade. They they sponsored the ships. They've always uh, 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 got the money off of us. We are the key to their success. We're the ones who play for them. We're the ones in the, in the, the record companies, the music companies, the black exploitation films. These were the people we are their money. When we decide to bank them, then they will lose what they got. We are the reason why they got 40% so, Kevin, of I'm all billionaires on the planet. I'm going to jump in, there, huh? jump in there and say this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to tell you where I think. I'm going to just let you know a couple of places where Wait. you're missing. And I'm going to go, listen up. I'm going to go to Brother Pianchi right after this. So I, got you. I will challenge you in, as Brother Pianchi brought to the table, as much as you're saying we and they, there's a lot being lost in that. And Michael just laid out where they really got their money was mastering specific trades. And you can go throughout history and see they made their money, whether it was whether we were there or not. They did it in every country the same way. Now, you're able to highlight the music field because they went into entertainment because they wanted to be very protective of the same rhetoric that they're reprimanding a Kyrie and a Kanye for. Like Malcolm said on the show earlier, Sometimes you're just describing a situation, so maybe there's a miss on their part, but they don't play with it because that rhetoric is what started the Holocaust in the early 1900s. I'm saying a lot right now, just challenge you to consider some of what I'm saying, but they, they, they don't make our money. They don't make their money off of us like you've been told. In particular industries, in the entertainment, absolutely. But they didn't get into banking simply because of us. It don't buy into the complete narrative that they financed the slave trade. What I'm saying is I'm not saying that they were never involved, but don't think that that's where all their money came from. They are massive. I'm not talking about I'm definitely not yeah, talking yeah, about I'm, this thing, but I'm just highlighting it's not as much as you mm-hmm. may think. They're masterful in banking, and they do that no matter where they go, and it don't matter if black people are there or not. They get into banking and control money. It's mastering a trade. That's very different than believing it is off of our backs. It's a bad narrative. In actuality, they can do that wherever they go. Just know that. I'll go to Brother Pianchi. Thank you for jumping back in. Go ahead, Brother Real quick. What you said is well said and true, and, and I'm not attacking the other guy, but a lot of stuff you said is not true. It's been something that's been passed down through lyrics. But, you know, you have different groups. You made the Indians, mentioned the Indians. That's the Patel family that's strong here in the United States when it comes down to hotel accommodation. You got a Nigerian by the name of Dangote group 
they control what they're making moves in in part of agriculture and what they're doing in Nigeria. You got these tuba. You got they come out of Senegal. They black is is cold. So you have these groups that form like you call these Jews, and there's two Jews. There's Jews the religion, there's Jews the club, and they intermingle and hide under each other's wings when necessary. That's what it's all about. It's about prosperity and doing right. You just need to learn. And I'll tell you something else. You got some black Americans that you don't know about that's powerful too. Jews do not, or should I say white skin, do not control the shipping. They don't control fertilizer. And here in the United States, the Asians control the garment industry. They took it from the Jews. Beautiful stuff. William, uh, William, I think that's music to your ears. We're having dialogue that I know you like to have, so I would love to get <laughs> your, um, your thoughts, if you will. Um, try to keep it to a couple of minutes because I want to leave a couple of minutes yes. for Michael as well. But I've been in, uh, this conversation has been brilliant, in my opinion. But go ahead, King. That, this is why you have to pose the question. And, and to, to respond to the previous call, I think his name is, uh, I forget his name. But Brother Pianchi or Calvin, why you, either one. Calvin, Calvin. The reason why you proposed the question how does 2% represent 25% of 400 in such a short period of time is two reasons. It's because you realize it doesn't take a lot if you understand everything that um, that uh, 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 Michael was talking about, right? How, how. But that poses the question, how. This is why I posed the question. It's not because I don't understand how. It's because that's what we need to understand as a collective, right? right. What does it take to generate that wealth in terms of skill set, in terms of trade, in terms of finance, in terms of understanding how we do it? It's not important who, who's doing it. It's not important how they got to it. What's important is us looking at that statistic and saying, if 2% can do it, what do we represent? What do we represent in this country if 2% can do it? How do we do it? And it's not as if we haven't done it in the past because we have those same skills. We have those same skills to trade, to finance, to, 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 to be the soft, to be everything we are. Just like Calvin, you're saying, this is where, you're, this is where Calvin is passionate, right? This is what you're saying. We've got to connect those dots. I'm not just right. going to say, well, Calvin, you're, 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 there's so much nuance being missed. Calvin, you're right. We have all of that. Now we have to ask the question, how at 15% or 13% or whatever we represent, which is far beyond what they represent, right, how do we take those same skill sets, those same trades, those same abilities that we know we have, put them to use, right, and get a bigger impact? I love That's it. the Let question. Me go over to Michael. And let me say this line from my piece, because this is exactly what we're doing when I say I challenge the black community to pick up a pen and pad and take copious notes to form alliances. That's what the piece said. That's what we're talking about now. You got a minute and a half to close us out, Michael. Thank you both for your time today. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, King. This has been an amazing discussion, but I would start out this close out with saying, wouldn't it be nice to be able to defend your family, your culture? when somebody attacked it, when it needed defense. I think if yeah. that's your aim, and I think that's the aim of most people who want to provide for their, their people, see their people uplifted, and see that tradition go on. If that's yes. the case, then our issue is as simple as picking a pen and pad and carrying on this written tradition of what we're talking about, this oral tradition. We don't have to search back and we don't have to you know, snag somebody else's identity when we say oh well we want to be this or that the other watch what they do watch what we have done 
and look at where yeah. our advantages are. This goes. This is at an individual level, and it yeah. radiates out because if you can t- teach yourself, you can teach your partner. You and your partner can teach your children. That in and of itself is the origin. You heard uh, Lico Dangote. You know he talks about the Senegalese families. He talks about the Patels. The family structure here is a business structure in and of itself. Don't miss that. You can shroud it with religion or you can shroud it with whatever you wanted to. It just needs to work within this context of reality. It, not what you want, but take what reality is and then shape it. That's it. Love it. Reality. Amen. When, they, when they say a name, Patel family, when they say these names, don't equate it to all of India. That's a specific tribe that was able to do exactly what you heard today, and that's how you move the needle. Become fine and connect to other black families, create your culture, and build. Do not equate it to the entire we or they. That's not reality. Thank y'all so much, Amen. King. It was brilliant. I'll see y'all, see y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.